This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door, including my favourite, the Quarter Pounder with cheese. Mm. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Delivery. so the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18+, plus. rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello everybody and welcome to episode 15 of the Stacey West podcast. I'm your co-host Ben and as ever Gary's with me. How are you doing mate? I'm 40. You are 40. I was going to say am I going to have to speak a little bit louder this week for you? I might have to nip off because I think I've just pissed myself. (laughs) Of course, it was your 40th birthday on Monday. Uh, Did you have a good time? I understand you went down to the big smoke. Yes, yeah, I did. My other half uh, had got got us a tour of the Tower of London because I love all that sort of stuff. When I was 14, I took all my friends to a museum for my birthday. Um, Didn't have many friends after that, but I love history and stuff like (laughs) that. I did exactly the same thing. We went to the Leeds Armouries and nearly got thrown out because a friend of mine did a commando role under a fat woman. <laughs> we, we went to the, the little museum opposite Broadgate um, and I think only about three of my friends ended up coming. But curiously, the week after, we went to Panda's Palace and, with somebody else and he had about 30 friends there. So, <laughs> But yeah, then we went and ate up the Shard and it was very nice and I felt very posh. So. Yeah, fair enough. I did see the uh, the picture you put on Twitter of that. Actually, it was uh, you look very very upmarket. It was very thank nice. You. And I would like to say thank you to all of the um, podcast listeners and blog readers who took the time to wish me happy birthday. It was very humbling indeed. Yeah, I understand you got recognised as well on the tube. ridiculous isn't it I mean when we went down for the playoff final uh, not the playoff final check trade final even you kind of expected it you say we went into Punch and Judy and saw some members of Lisa there and we were walking down the embankment and bumped into Casey you expect it but you know on a miserable rainy Tuesday afternoon um, at Leicester Square you don't expect somebody to come up to you on the tube and say are you Gary um, especially not when you've spent like hour to avoid eye contact with everybody. So, um, if you are listening, Simon, you made me feel a little bit like a star. And the woman who was then next to us after he got off the tube kept looking at me as if to try and place me. I don't know who she thought I was. Um, so, anyway, I'm sure our <laughs> listeners don't want to hear about my uh, my vanity moment. Oh, that's fine. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, no game on Saturday because of the uh, the, the international break and the ovals. Dubious claims, shall we say, that they've got uh, enough internationals to to warrant their game being called off. But 
that aside, um, we're no longer top, which is, you know, it, it says something to me that the only way that someone can knock us off the top spot is when we don't play. But, I mean, some would potentially argue that given some of the performances recently, we may not have been top for much longer anyway. But I don't think we would. Um, I don't think another three weeks, I don't think we will have been top. I think MK Dons are in fine form uh, and we, we've had a stutter. So I, uh, you know, I fully expected us to be knocked off top at some point. It's just not that it's not come until, you know, the final weekend of November almost. Yeah, uh, I think, uh, you know, as long as as long as long we're there or thereabouts, as uh, as Mr. Alexander would say, I think we'll, we'll probably be all right. But um, there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about. The first one, obviously, is, is Saturday's game, um, Mr. Flickcroft. Uh, has already started with the mind games and the press saying that he wants a strong referee uh, for the weekend and, you know, wants to make sure his players are protected because of the big lad up front. Quite who he's on about, because I don't think we'll start with Matt Reid on Saturday. I don't really know. Um, but given that, you know, in the checker trade game, they tried to kick seven lumps out of literally every player in red and white. Um, I think he's probably talking out of his rectum, but... I mean, what's new there? Yeah, he's a prick. Um, I don't really have, yeah, in my opinion, I, that's what he is. I don't really have a lot to say about him. It's my games, and some managers need to indulge in it, some managers don't. It's all pantomime. And as I was saying, Kevin Van Veen, I don't mind his pantomime for Norton, you know, on the pitch mm. and you scored a goal and all of that. But Flickcroft just, uh, you know, he, that's not for me. Yeah, we do need a strong referee. And you know what we've got? I think it's Gavin Ward, isn't it? He's refereed um, Championship Games. I think he refereed Birmingham Hall that was 3 3. And it's going to be a different topic. He's not a well-liked character over here. I think, um, you know, I think you summed it up previously when you said that, I don't know what it is about Mansfield managers, but it seems like something's in their their top drawer that when they uh, then when they open it for the first time and take a big whiff of the air that comes out of it, they just turn into an arsehole. So um, I think really, I'm, I'm not too bothered about what, what Gary Flickcroft says. David Flickcroft, why does that? I just say, yeah, sorry, David Flickcroft, not too bothered about what he says. I, I just... David. I'm just looking forward to the game. Um, I mean, they've obviously been on a very good run of form in the league. That came to an end uh, in terms of overall games on Tuesday night in the Cup, where they got they got spanked, didn't they? On uh, on Tuesday night, they did. They conceded three late goals, yeah. though, didn't they? Um, but was it? Um, um, yeah, I just I, I yeah. I've just got some. I don't know. I'm, I'm apprehensive about Saturday because obviously we've had a break. Um, we don't know what the current state of play is with some of the players' injuries. Um, I'm expecting that we're going to have a full-strength first team again. Uh, but yeah, what, what's your take on Saturday and, and how it's, how do you think we're going to play it? Well, first of all, um, Flickcroft actually rested Tyler Walker for the Charlton game. I think that tells you everything okay. about uh, about... He, how he views the game coming up this weekend. Walker came on after an hour, but previous to that, he had started their games. Um, he started the first game against Charlton as well. So I think that he had one eye or on on us and kind of thought, um, you go, go to Charlton, give it a go. But at the end of the day, this is the one they want to win. Uh, when you look at the league mm-hmm. table, you know, a win for them would would put them right back amongst it, and certainly, um, certainly bring us back down to, to earth quite quickly. I think it's going to be a tight game. I think Mansfield would play something like a 3-5-2. So they don't have a traditional winger as such. They're relying on their wing backs to get up and down. So how we choose to play 
will be very interesting if we do go with our traditional 4-4-2 or 4-4-1-1, depending on how you want to view it. Um, we're going to be looking to get down the flanks, cause problems, try and overload those areas and, and, and look to try and pull some of their midfield players out to the side to cover. And if we do that, then they're going to leave spaces in the middle. The key battle is going to be there in the middle of the park because they've got some really good players in the centre of midfield. And if they can win that battle, if they can force the play through the middle, then I think we're going to have our work cut out. Um, they've got Neil Bishop a player that I believe we were in for. Uh, I know Neil Bishop because his missus was on The Apprentice a couple of years ago and I thought she was quite fit. Um, Who but he's, he's kind of, uh she did a she did some kids' clothing or something. Um can't think what her name is. Google it. Honestly, Google Neil Bishop's wife and you'll you'll see she's all right. Um all right. anyway, <laughs> but he, I mean he's a good he's a good midfielder. We apparently allegedly tried to sign him in the summer uh before we brought in Michael O'Connor. So he's of that ilk but a little bit older and served Scunthorpe very well. But he's not the one I'm concerned about. The one I'm concerned about is the lad Elsnick who's on loan from Nottingham Forest, uh, I believe. No, Derby, sorry. He's on loan from Derby County. Mm. Um, I really like this lad. I've seen bits of him, obviously working for Football League World. I've spoke to Derby County fans about him. He's got a big future. And I think uh, on the balance of play, he's probably been as important to them as Tyler Walker has. Now, it's important to note that their big signings are loan players. So they've rolled the dice on loan players, hoping that if they get up, the income can then be spent, whereas we've invested for the future um, by bringing the players in, uh, apart from obviously Shane McCartan, um, but like Bruno, etc. So there's two very different approaches uh, in terms of recruitment, in terms of tactical setup. I don't think there's a lot of difference in terms of style. Um, they might not go as long as, as as we like to, but they are going to look to get runners in the channels, particularly I think it'll be Danny Rose and Tyler Walker up top. Um, mm. It's good. I'll tell you something. If we come away from this game with a victory, um, I will be incredibly impressed and I would be content, not happy, but I'd be content if we drew the game. I don't know what your thoughts are. Um yeah, it sounds like a cliche, but you know, but I have just googled Francis Bishop, by the way, and yeah, I remember the one. She's all right. Um, I would be more than happy if we came away with a point. To be honest, um, it's it's one of those games where the crowd's going to be fiery. It's going to be it's going to be a hostile environment. It's going to be. Uh, I mean, it's just going to be a local derby, and there's a bit of you know, as there always is. Um, there's a bit of talk on on social media and in the local media about you know oh is it is it a local derby i mean to me it is it's some would potentially argue that it's you know it is i think some somebody tried to argue to me the other day that it's it's closer than grimsby therefore it's a bigger game i was like i think you might be wrong on both counts on that one but um yeah um as the crow flies i think it is as the crow flies i think it's their ground is closer to sinsel bank than blundell park is i think there we go i mean i think that's what i mean it's it's like it's one of those where it's you know I, oh, it's a different county, so it's not a local derby. I mean, it is. You know, it's it's close enough. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think we're. It all depends on how well it, uh, how well the break's done for us. I guess. I think um, you know, to me, if Danny's got the team in and he said, right, okay, we're going to work on you know, we're going to work on your fitness for two weeks, and then we're going to focus on you finishing when we're not doing that, or we're going to you know really really gel the team together in an area that we've potentially struggled in over the past few weeks. You know, I think that's going to be, 
that's going to be key as to where we've where we've improved over the break um and it's it sounds strange to say that because you know all the other teams haven't had this break and i I don't know if it's going to play into our hands or not i hope it does um because i think a fully you know a fully fit lincoln city uh, side against you know a fully fit mansfield side is is a game that i would really looking forward to and i hope hope we get the best out of it on saturday so yeah, well, bear in mind, they have got a couple of injuries and they're quite important injuries as well. Um, Otis Khan is doubtful mm. uh, and he's a, you know, he's a real creative force, again, in the centre of the park or he, he plays um, just behind the centre forward. So that that's, could be a big loss. Talking about Neil Bishop, he is actually doubtful. Alexander McDonald, who's a horrible little bugger in the middle of the park, um, lots of admiration for him, can't stand him playing against us, but would love him to have him playing for us. He's also out as well. So they've got some some issues uh, that they've got to face up to. Interesting what you said about the local derby, and I kind of want to pick up on that point. First of all, I've just checked. Um, Field Mill's actually 10 miles closer to oh, wow. Blundell Park. Okay. Sinsel Bank to Blundell Park, according to Google Maps, is 46 miles, uh, and it's just over 34 miles to Field Mill. So geographically, they are the closest to us. However, I think if you were to ask them what their two biggest derbies were and ask us what our two biggest derbies were, this game wouldn't be picked. Their rivals are Chesterfield and um, Notts County. I mean, mm. the Chesterfield-Mansfield rivalry is passionate. I used to work for a builder's merchant. I used to go to both. Um, and if they wanted something on an interbranch, they wouldn't ring each other. <laughs> it was that bad. Um, I think the Mansfield lot were called scabs by Chesterfield, and it was all to do with the miners' strike and certain pits going back to work when they shouldn't have done. There's, a, there's an awful lot of history there, which I'm not going to scratch at. Um, if you ask us, it's always going to be Scunthorpe and, uh, and Grimsby. So that's why people don't class it as a local derby. And I think it depends very much on when you were born and it depends very much on what you believe a local derby to be. You know, if you watched us lose to them, sadly, last year at Sinsel Bank in the league, that was a local derby. You know, they were letting the flares off. It was a full house. Let's face it, it's a full house at Sinsel Bank every week. Um, Mm. And if we do it right, the atmosphere should be on that level most weeks, even if we're playing Crawley, if we've got eight and a half thousand Lincoln fans or 8,000 Lincoln fans, we should be able to have a hostile atmosphere one way or another. Um, I personally, I, I count it as a, a derby as such, but I don't feel that there's the passionate rivalry there. I feel that it's stoked up by the media, I feel that the echo um, and to an extent Radio Lincolnshire, but not as much. They stoke it up with, this is what David Flickcroft has been saying now. There were nothing comments, really. You know, I call him, a, call him what I, I called him at the beginning of the uh, the show, but, you know, there were nothing comments. Quick question. Mm-hmm. Which one's the biggest knob, Mark Cooper or David Flickcroft? Oh, oh, well. Um, I think the biggest knob is probably Mark Cooper, but the biggest arsehole is David, uh, David Flickcroft. Mm, that's interesting. Because you, yeah. you can, you, you can you're call somebody not choosing anyone. <laughs> well, you can call somebody a knob, and like I think, I think if if you were to, if you were to say right, you know, just put put the words prick and arsehole against one of these people, I would probably put prick against Mark Cooper because he is a smug prick, and you know semantics and all that. You might as well just call him a knob at that point. Um, so is this like a? This- like a snog marry and avoid. <laughs> we should start doing that. 
Yeah, let's let's throw one in. Okay, Snog Barrier or Void, Mark Cooper, David Flickcroft or Steve Evans. Moving on. Um <laughs> I'm marrying I'm marrying Cooperman. Um what, because of the money? No, just because I, I couldn't stand the other two. Um and Cooperman, I don't know. I'd I just think he dresses better. John. I'd rather be if I was out having a meal somewhere in a nice <laughs> restaurant. I'd rather be sat with Cooperman in his nice coat and scarf than I would be a sweaty Flitcroft going wow at everything, or of course Steve Evans just eating your course and his. So I will, <laughs> I'll marry Mark Cooper. Uh, I will avoid Steve Evans, and that leaves me with an awful task on my hands when it comes to David Flitcroft. So I think now. <laughs> Now is definitely the time uh, to move on. Um, but before we do actually move on, what do you think then, prediction for the game? Um, I think it'll be a, a really close one. Um, I mean, it, it, to be honest, it, it'll go one of two ways. It'll either be really close or we'll run away with it. Um, I don't, you know, I, I think it's going to be one of those where if everybody shows up um, and everybody clicks the way that we know they can and the way that we have seen this team click, um I think will be all right, but I, I honestly think, yeah, you know, it's going to be a close game. Um, one all, possibly two two. Um, we might edge it two one. It's it's that kind of a game. Uh, what about yourself? It all depends on keeping Tyler Walker shackled at the back because he's got pace, and our two centre halves have not. It depends on Neil Erdley being back. If Neil Erdley's not fit. Um, maybe with them not playing wingers, it won't quite be felt as bad, but we could end up being pulled out of shape because I think James Wilson will, will be forced to drop in. I actually think that the best that we will get out of the game is a draw, and that's not a slur on Lincoln. I just think when you look at Mansfield's results, um, well, they lost one in the league against Exeter. Uh, they've, mm. They're a very, very good side. There's a lot of money been spent on the team, don't get me wrong, um, but they are a very, very good side. And come away with a draw, I'll actually be happy. Yeah. And we all know that Mrs. Radford loves the D. Um, draw, draw, of course. Um, anyway, yes. Um, we, so we'll move on. Um, and one thing that I, I wanted to talk about personally was um, something that you put up on the blog this week about, uh, well, it actually stemmed from a, a, a conversation on social media. Um, it was on Twitter. Kind of after Alan had put something on the, the SLO Twitter page or the, the SLO Twitter page you put out um, something saying, you know, welcome Mansfield Town fans at the weekend. And if you've got any issues, you know, come find us and, and all the rest of it. And then it kind of sparked up the debate again of have we gone soft? Um, and, you know, there, there was a few differing opinions that, that got thrown about. I didn't really engage too much in it because I, I just couldn't be asked with with stuff at that point. I've had a bit of a shite week, to be honest, and it, uh, it it picked up on some stuff that I was just in a, a bit of a grumpy place. And I thought if I say the wrong thing, I'll piss the wrong person off. But um, it, it was something that you put in the, in the piece and it made me think that um, I, I don't really know I, there's something I don't quite get about this whole "have we gone soft" argument because, like you said in the you know on the blog, it's kind of what you make of it, and that's essentially the crux of the argument that I want to put forward in a minute. Um, I mean, your your thoughts on on the discussion, and obviously you know the the reasons behind everything that you you'd said in there. So, yeah, I don't. 
I don't buy it that it's Lincoln City gone soft. And I think, I think there's, I'm not going to criticize the people that are putting their point across because I understand it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I understand that in the past we've wanted to make Central Bank intimidating. Um, I understand that at times I think the clubs still do things like that. I mean, look at the advert in the Forest Green program with the, for the steakhouse <laughs> next to the Forest Green team. So we've not gone soft at all. But what has changed, and I said it in the blog, is football. You know, SLOs are required at every single football league ground. Okay, maybe we do it a little different to others. You know, maybe Grimsby put, I don't know, the toilet cleaner in as their SLO and and kind of wheel them out whenever the FA turn up. But, you know, we don't want to do that. And if we are going for an award of being an inclusive and welcoming club, I don't see what's particularly wrong with that either. Because it's not up to the club and the officials, as I said, um, to be intimidating or to make it an intimidating atmosphere. The days of John Beck have gone. John Beck would do that. He would make teams feel very unwelcome. And I seem to remember, um, was it Manchester City? I can't remember. There was a famous story where um, Jeff Davey was in was was entertaining some directors in the director's box and he made some sort of comment on the away leg, uh, thank you for your hospitality. I'm sure it was Man City in the cup, and I think it was, whether it was Francis Lee or somebody with Manchester City, basically turned around and said, well, it's, you know, we were treated so badly at yours and we would never imagine doing anything like that at, uh, at, at our club. I might have got the names wrong. Why would we want that? Why do we want the reputation of being bad hosts? We want the reputation of being hard to play against. We want the reputation of the fans being full of vitriol. And I don't mind if it feels a little bit hostile places, but at the end of the day, the fan the fans is inclusive. Away fans have always been allowed in the centre spot. So how have we softened just because we're allowing them in our fan zone now? And it's their money going into the club. I just, I, I just don't think football's changed and it changed significantly while we were out of the football league. And Unfortunately, it isn't to everybody's liking. Um, not everybody likes the the SLO role. Not everybody understands it. But then, not everybody needs to take advantage of it. So, you know, I just I just think each to their own. Live and let live. I don't I don't get why it's a problem. But uh, yeah, I think that the the last thing you've said there is that you know not everyone needs to, needs to take advantage of it. That's the key thing in this whole discussion. Um, it's there's something about this to me. And again, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to single people out. I don't want to call people out because a that's not fair. B I wouldn't want it done to me. So just as a as a blanket rule, there are some people. You know, there's some some things that I've seen where it's like, well, well, I don't use it, so it shouldn't be there. Or you know, well, I don't need it, so so why is it why is it a thing? It's like that's not that's not really what it's about. Like at this point, you know, I I don't necessarily need to use. Well, I don't need to go in shops in town. You know, if I'm on if I'm on my lunch break and I, I go out for a walk in town, I don't necessarily need to go into Primark, but I understand why it's there. You know, I don't. There's so much that I don't need and that I will never use, but I appreciate that it's there for other people, and that's ultimately what the SLO role is. You know, at, at the club, and I think as long as you can go to the match and you can enjoy what you you can enjoy your Saturday. That's fine. And one of the arguments that I've I've seen is that, you know, oh well some people look down on it because I've had a pie, you know, I've had a pint and and I've come to the game and I'm jumping and I'm singing, so I'm t- I'm a thug. So that's not what people are saying at all. And I think if people sort of just say again. 
Sorry, go on, carry on. Carry on. I, I was going to say, like, the thing is, if, if people step back a little bit and don't immediately put this barrier up of somebody is accusing me of something, therefore I need to defend myself, it's like, no, they're not necessarily accusing you of something. And if they are, then, you know, just ignore it for the most part. You know, I know it's difficult to do. And personally, I, I take everything that's said, you know, with with a degree of personalism that I shouldn't do. But the fact is that there will always be people that see anybody that go to a football match as a thug. Like there, there will always be that contingent of people that don't understand it and they don't understand the culture. But the thing is, a lot of the culture's changed. Now, like you say, it's changed for me personally. I think the the, the culture's changed in a much better way. Um, I will forever remember being a twelve or thirteen year old going to. Oh, we went to Hull, and when we were walking out the ground, um, my dad was with me, and one of my friends from school was with me, and there was the three of us, and we'd parked the we'd parked his uh, car kind of on a side street away from, you know, the, the paid parking and all the rest of it. And we, as we were walking back to it, what we didn't realise was that we had parked it on one of the main walkways for all the Hull fans to come out. Now, I remember as we were walking down, there was me, my dad and my mate, and we, we were in our city shirts and we had jackets on. So as soon as we turned the corner, immediately did our jackets up and just head down and walk. It's like, I was I was petrified at that point. You know, I was a young lad that I'd, I've never really, you know, I've never been interested in in the violent side of anything. You know, I'm not, I don't go to a match to, you know, have a punch up. So that's not, that's not what it's about. And I would imagine that that's the same for about 99% of the people that, you know, would ever listen to this podcast. But the thing is, I was genuinely scared at that point because there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of the enemy, as I was conditioned to believe them, walking the other way the way that football's changed for me is that now for the 90 minutes between the start with you know the the the, the kickoff and the full-time whistle for those 90 minutes on Saturday I will hate anything in yellow and blue I will you know I will shout I will scream I will swear at anybody that's wearing yellow and blue and I will try and make the atmosphere I'll, I'll you know I'll do my bit to try and make the atmosphere on Saturday as difficult to play in for the Mansfield players as I possibly can do. As soon as that final whistle goes, that's fine. That's it. It's done. You know, I could have somebody that I work with, um, somebody that I work with recently, you know, they're a Grimsby fan. I, I have, you know, I have a chat with a Grimsby fan on a frequent basis. When we play them, for those 90 minutes, that's it. I'm, you know, they are, quote, the enemy. And then after that, they're back to being my friend again. It's like that. that's the difference for me. Is that and you said it in the piece? You know, it, it's down to the fans to make that atmosphere a, a, a difficult one to play in. Um, and it's you know, it's for those ninety minutes. That is okay. for me. That's where that we need to make people feel uncomfortable. You know, that's it. But outside of that, you know, you, you, they're just people. Yeah, I, got, I mean, that, two points to pick up on. First of all, you said um, that just a point that I, I kind of mildly disagree with. You said that very few people are wanting to condemn those that want to have a, a drink and a pint. And I actually do feel that I don't like hearing plastic. I don't like hearing anything like that at all, but I do feel that there is a, um, a thought perhaps in some of the newer supporters that the 
old image of a football fan, i.e. seven pints, singing, shouting, abuse, et cetera, et cetera, is a thing of the past. And that's wrong because it's not a thing of the past. Everybody's experience is different. And whilst I don't condone people who would come and shout uh, racist abuse um, under any circumstances, obviously, uh, but I do believe that, you know, if you want to come along and start saying you're a shit house number seven or something like that you know a, a man's foot that is a prerogative that will be swearing at a football match um mm-hmm. and there is I, th- I think there is that split you know and this whole kind of new fan plastic sneering that that i don't condone at all is is a two-way thing i think i think there's a, a real clash of culture there um so i just wanted to pick up on that because i don't think that is all kind of a perceived uh, problem amongst some of the older supporters um, or the, you know, the, okay. the, the longer serving. Um, but what I would pick up, it, it, it's this idea that we are softening. It's this idea that the stance is changing somehow that winds me up, not what people want from the game or their experience. They're basically saying that Lincoln City, as they are now, are, very, are acting differently in some way to how we did in the past. And it's that that winds me up because Twitter is mm. available, the club use it, the SLOs use it. Had Twitter been available 20 years ago, I firmly believe that the same sort of messages would get across. And just while you were um, chatting there, I've got a pile of programs I've got to sort out. So um, words from Saturday, the November the 21st against Luton Town, that will be around 98.99. John Reams, good afternoon and welcome to Sintel Bank. A particularly warm welcome to our former coach, Lenny Lawrence, and his lads and the fans from Luton. Uh, I've now got, this is a good one, 7th of February, 1981. So this is at the height of what people might consider to be the whole era of vitriol. Lincoln and District Football Supporters Club open their part in the programme. Today we have as our visitors Stockport County, to whom we wish a very warm welcome. So again, they're visitors. Uh, I've got Steve Thompson here. He was speaking on the 26th of October, 91 against Burnley. I extend a warm welcome to Burnley, Jimmy Mullen, and all of the supporters that come with them. Yeah. It's not a new thing. Welcoming supporters to a football ground is not a new thing. We are not getting softer. We're not changing. The way that messages are delivered are changing. The way that some groups of fans are now enjoying the game is changing. But welcoming visiting fans to Central Bank has never changed. Yeah. Simple as that. And it's that that annoys me. It's the same argument where people say we're going too corporate or we're losing our family edge. And I've argued this point before. What family edge? Well, are we, are we romanticising that the 2016-17 season – was how it always was. Because I don't remember a family edge in 2012-13, for instance, when there was demonstrations against David Holdsworth or, do you know what I mean? It wasn't. And at the end of the day, the club have always sold boxes and corporate seats. And they've always looked for opportunities in which to make money. So I I I don't like the idea that people think that the club is changing for the worst at the moment. Because we're challenging at the top of the table. We're spending more money on players than we ever have done before. And people are saying, oh, I wish it was like the good old days. Well, when we're 2,500 people, you could sit where you wanted and the best striker that we could sign is Nathan Blissett on loan. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just... There is this there is this thought, and it's, it's one that kind of goes through my head every now and then. I just think some people... Do, would they genuinely be happy if we you know, if we got relegated again. Some people would. If we got, you know, if, if we ended up in the National League. Yeah, 
I believe some people would. If we're in the National League with, like you say, two and a half, three thousand people, would that be all right? It's like, well, no. It goes back to the old adage of, you know, you can't please everybody all the time. Um, And I, I just think there's this there is this sort of slightly blinkered view sometimes of when, you know, when people go, um, when people go, oh, you know, well, it was all right for me, so why shouldn't it be all right for them? It's like, yeah, but but that's the thing. It was all right for you. So you're happy, you know, you've got what you need. You can, you know, you can go to the ground. You can, you, you, you know, you get to the ground, you know where you're going. You can have a pint if you want to. You get to your seat, you know exactly what you're doing. And then at half time, if you want, you can think, right, I'm going to need to nip down for about five minutes, you know, five minutes before and I'm going to nip down, I'm going to grab a Twix and I'm going to come back and I'm going to sit in my chair over, over half time. And at the end of the game, you can go home. There are some people maybe not at the minute because obviously the ground is is pretty much full every week but you've got to remember that at some point most most games will be somebody's first football match and i know that's a really difficult concept for some people to grasp but there will be somebody you know the, the odds are there's what 10,000 people in the ground 4,000 people don't have a season ticket so okay one in 4,000 people there is a strong chance that that is going to be their first football match it's not necessarily going to be, you know, somebody that is is like the people that are saying, oh, well, we're too corporate or whatever. It's like, no, that that will be somebody there, whether they're a, a five-year-old whose parents are taking them for the first time or a family that's going for the first time, you know. that's that. It's that audience that the SLOs are there for and it's that audience that the people that, that, that are there to kind of offer that helping hand and that welcoming atmosphere for. You know, if that's somebody from Mansfield that's coming up, um, you know, and, you know, somebody's bringing their family up um, and you think, right, okay, never been to Lincoln before, don't know where the ground is, don't know where the home pubs are, don't know this, don't know that, where do I go? So they've they've got an avenue now to do that. And you made a really good point in the the blog piece where you said about um, the fan zone at Wickham. It's like the fan zone at Wickham was there at the start of the season don't see people complaining about it but then they'll complain about ours so it's double standards in a really weird way yeah do you know what and i i just we've given it quite a bit of time now and i think the thing is you're never going to convince the people who feel a certain way and maybe you shouldn't you know maybe i mean what you know if that's their opinion fair enough you know i've always said you can't kind of respect people's opinions and i'm putting we're putting points across as to why we disagree with it um fundamentally i'd like to think that to a degree we've we've kind of proven that you know the, the club are doing what they have to do nothing has particularly changed apart from the fa have become incredibly soft but it's not a bad thing to have an slo i've never needed one um but you know, people keep talking about these bad away days that they've had. And yeah, I, I saw it at Barnet. Yeah, they were awful, awful. Um, yeah, okay, some of our fans were scrapping amongst themselves. I don't know the ins and outs of it. I'm not going to comment on it. But then I think to Notts County last year, which was a real potential flashpoint, we were treated, I, in my opinion, we were treated very, very well. And it, okay, people might look at the, the 
what happened afterwards with the police, but that wasn't Notts County as a club. In the ground, we were treated with respect and dignity by the stewards. Um, We were allowed out for a smoke at halftime. I was definitely worse aware. And at one point, I came all the way down to the touchline to remonstrate with one of their players incorrectly for some perceived injustice that I felt they had inflicted on me that was affecting my entire life at that moment. Um, I called him a range of words, every single one of them with the prefix fuck. (laughs) And yet... um, a steward kind of came over to me. They could have manhandled me, could have thrown me out. And I don't, yeah, they didn't know whether I was there with a family, whether I was a troublemaker. They didn't know what the situation was, but they treated me very well. And I just think it's, that's the minimum that I think we should expect. And just because not every club gets it right, doesn't give us a mandate to not get it right on purpose. And, you know, I, I, people had a nightmare at Mansfield last year. I get that. I understand yeah. that. Same with Stevenage, same with Barnet. But it's that kind of, you know, just because he stuck his head in the washing machine doesn't mean we've got to do it. So yeah, I, th- I think we've done it to death, to be honest. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's it at that point. You know, we'll, we'll leave it at that, um, and we'll we'll move on to uh, to questions. Now we've had, um, I've had one question this week. Um, to be fair, I didn't really put anything out to. to solicit them. So um, the question that I wanted to read out this week is if you give me a second um it's from keith now keith says uh since listening to the podcast and the question about the favorite away grounds last week his question is about what is your favorite uh, what's your favorite ever imps away goal um also your favorite all-time player i do believe i probably missed that out when i mentioned the question to you beforehand so um We'll start with your favourite away goal. Um, so we'll 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 let you lead on that one, and then I'll come to mine, and then we'll go to favourite ever player. Let's go to your away goal first, because I haven't actually given it any thought at all. Okay. Um, my favourite away goal. Um, I don't think there is a goal that will ever super, uh, ever get past this. It's uh, it's Simon Yeo's away at Scunthorpe in the second leg of the playoffs. Um, it was. If I remember rightly, it was a very, very cold evening. We had, well, we had Brian Laws come out beforehand with his flag, bless him, running around the pitch, you know, trying to get everybody cheering and up and uh, getting it all up for it. And then uh, little Simon Yeo pops up, tucks that ball away. And I will remember this because I had one foot on the back of the seat in front and I had one foot on the back of my seat and I was just stood there with my arms in the air as everybody else was going absolutely nuts, screaming out my, you know, screaming my head off and what a game and what a goal and what a result that was. That is for me, that is the goal that will stick in my mind. Has it got to be a league goal? I mean, obviously the best, the best away goal ever is, is um, Sean Raggett's winner at Burnley. Uh, I don't think it's, you know, there's a massively strong argument for that being a record-breaking win, Senders to FA Cup final for the release of emotion. Um, really enjoyed the opener at Ipswich as well because I think that was the moment where I felt we'd gone to Ipswich to kind of make up the numbers and have a day out. And when uh, when Theo scored and when he equalised, they were two very they were two cracking goals as well. In terms of league competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I really liked um, Peter Gain scored a cracker, I think, against Mansfield and Butch did as well. 
I think one there. I'd have to, I'd have to look it up, but there was there was a couple of belts. Richard Butcher's away at Bournemouth uh, in the first playoff year that all but sealed our playoff. Um, that was a that was a huge goal at the time, uh, and I'd, uh, I'd I'd gone down for that match, and that was um, that was something as well to remember. So. I'm going to have to look up the Pete again now. I'm sure Butch scored really early on with a, with an absolute screamer away at Mansfield. It'd be 2003-4 season. Um, we won two. Did we win two one? Yeah, we did win two one. I'm just looking it up now. Uh, and Pete again. Yeah, Pete again on 50 minutes. And you know, Pete again never scored a bad goal. So <laughs> there we go. So, yeah, um, cool. Yeah. So I mean, um, that I. I, I can't recall those goals if I'm brutally honest, but um, I'll probably have to try and find them on uh, on on the old YouTube. Um, and secondly, favourite player of all time? Oh, that's impossible! <laughs> it's impossible <laughs> um, because you know I've, I have a favourite player of of different eras. Um, I, I suppose the one that springs to mind, and I've literally just mentioned him again, is Pete again uh, because I. <sighs> I go. I talk about Pete again as though he should have played top flight football. And okay, maybe there was things holding him back, but he had technique far beyond uh, any player that played for us at the time, including Taylor Fletcher. When Pete again was on form, he was unplayable. He never scored a crap goal. All his goals were were, were phenomenal. I remember one game and we played Hartlepool. I think it was in oh two oh three, and Hartlepool were. Runaway leaders maybe need correcting, but I think that they might have gone up as champions that year. They they were they were a fantastic side, and we won the game possibly two or three nil. Um, but we could have lost eight six. But I just remember Gainey scoring one in that game, and every time he got the ball, I tell you something: his left foot should be sold in the wand shop near Hogwarts because that it had magic. <laughs> Harry Potter, you know, they get like ones with unicorn strings in or whatever it is, unicorn hairs. They should sell <laughs> ones at Hogwarts with Peter Gaines left toenails in it because that's how good he was. <laughs> yeah, I'll agree with that. She was, uh, he had the, the left foot that, oh, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Um, For me, I think the thing that, the player that really resonates me with me the most is probably Gareth Ainsworth. And I think it was because he was a player that as I was starting to, as I was starting to find, you know, a bit more of like my identity as, as a, as a kid. And as he, you know, as I was sort of identifying what I wanted to, to enjoy and, you know, how I wanted to, to spend my time and, and do that sort of stuff, you know, going forward he was a player that I sort of latched onto a little bit at Lincoln and it was, um, yeah, I've, I've got a photo of, uh, of me with, with Gareth, um, as when I was a mascot one time, uh, I'm, I'm tempted to send it through to you, but I'm fairly certain that it might end up being used for nefarious purposes if I do. Yeah. Tweet, um, tweet but, out. <laughs> so yeah, that's for me that, that kind of era that like the late nineties, early two thousands, you could probably pick some of the standout players from from that that time and say, yeah, you know, it's it's easy to to pick from a list of those players. Um, yeah, you see, I mean, probably I, also looking at. Go on. Sorry, go on. No, you first. As I was gonna say, I'm, I'm, you know, also looking at mainly because of what happened afterwards and you know the career that they had after the fact. But Gareth McCauley, 
every time I saw his name come up, you know, when he was playing for um, for his country, it was always one of those little moments of pride where it's like, oh, I remember seeing Gareth playing for the Imps and all the rest of it, you know, and that was that kind of era where I was finding my feet and, and really put a lot of passion into, into Lincoln City. It was, uh, there's a lot of players from around then that you could probably pick, but yeah, it's probably Ainsworth for me. I mean, I, there's a lot of other names that I would lump in now. I mean, Gain stands out and above, but uh, there was Paul Smith, the ginger one, not the uh, the lad that we got from Forest. I, I idolised Paul Smith as a kid. David Putnam was a super player. Um, really liked Graham Bressington. He was another one that stood out for me. Obviously, as you said there, there was there was Ainsworth. Um, Gordon Hobson was one of the first that I liked, and that was in his second spell. Um, you know, my granddad and my dad had both talked about how brilliant he had been in the early eighties, and then he came back in eighty eight, eighty nine. Uh, and played through to the end of the 90 season and uh, you know he, he was superb even though he's reaching the end of his career um and then in recent years as well uh there's been there's been some phenomenal players i mean alex woodyard is someone that i'll always always classes as one of the all-time favorite players because i think he he was absolutely superb um it would be hard not to mention matt reed just because of his the way he's kind of carried us forward and the way he's bridged that whole um, gap, if you like, between as being mid table national league to to top of league uh, two, um, and post Keith, uh, I really liked Jamie Forrester when he played uh, and played up front with Mark Stallard. What I really liked about Jamie Forrester was. He adapted his game with age. So what we got was a a thirty something Forrester who had lost his pace. Uh, but he, he adjusted his game and he always seemed to be one step ahead. So he didn't need the pace to get to the ball. And uh, the way that he was kind of farmed out of the club by Jackson, I think it was. You know, Jackson should hang his head in shame for that and for the way that he treated Alan Marriott. Um, uh, that, yeah. Terrible manager, terrible, terrible manager, all about him. But anyway, um, so yeah, there, there's some players. Richard Butcher is another one. It would be hard not to mention. It's, it's hard to say your favourite ever player, isn't it? It really is. It's a good question. Um, but deep down, yeah. I suppose, one name always does spring to mind, as it did with you there. So it's interesting. Tweeters, what your, who yeah. your favourite um, player is listening? <laughs> I mean, I think... Ball, the, well, Drew well, we know that's a lie, Gary. Um, so the uh, the one that, you know, currently, if I were to, you know, if I have to sort of say, well, can you see anybody from the current... Uh, the current crop spring into mind, you know, years down the line. I'd, I'd probably have to say Bozzy, to be honest. He's, he's, you know, he's quickly becoming one of my favourite players um, pretty much anywhere. And it's it's one of those, actually, I didn't realise until it was retweeted by uh, the EFL earlier on today that there was a, there was a clip that I saw a while ago um, of somebody, uh, there was a player who uh, played what can only be described as an inch-perfect pass um, to a <laughs> steward because they were in, they were wearing fluorescent clothes, um, the fluorescent kit, and uh, they yeah they played a pass to a steward. Didn't realise till today that that was Bozzy. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I mean, let's face it, we've seen him play that pass several times just without the steward. Uh, some of his passing has gone awry a little at times. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's more akin to an exocet missile, isn't he, in some places? Yeah, he is, yeah. He's, he's the only one that'll do a short 10-yard pass, but he'll belt it with the, all the power of a penalty, um, not a Southgate <laughs> penalty. Um, but I, I think um, Bruno Andrade, if he continues on the trajectory that he's showing at the moment, will be somebody that we will remember for a very, very long time. 
Mm. Um, and I'd like to think John Akindi, but <laughs> I'm just going to spark up all sorts of negativity with that. And he still has a very long way to go before he's uh, able to be mentioned in the breath of the players I've just mentioned. Tell you who else was very, very good. Paul Morgan. What a oh, Paul Morgan. What a player. What a player. I remember when he uh, when he announced that he was leaving, um, or when you know when he was leaving the club. Um, me and a bunch of friends clubbed together and bought him a, a bottle of Captain Morgan's rum um, <laughs> as a uh, as a goodbye. Because uh, yeah, what a player he was. Ireland's Bobby Moore. I'll tell you something, he covered the arse of so many average central defenders. Simon Weaver and Ben Futcher, two of them. Two very, mm. very average players. Futcher especially. Futcher was tall, but my God, he was terrible with a ball on the deck. <laughs> Paul Morgan, he, he had the pace to cover their asses. He had the poise. He was always there with a last-minute tackle. Phenomenal football player. How, again, he didn't get a big move during Lincoln days. Him and Gain were the two that you looked at. And people are no going about Simon Yeo, and he's a lovely guy and all of that. But, you know, Yeo was what he was. He was a player that had that passion and fans identified with and kind of went, yeah, he's really good. Whereas you know, he didn't score for seven months in the first year. And apart from one season where everything he touched went in, he, he was all right. You know, it was his attitude that was right. But Morgan and Gain should and could have played championship football at the very least. No doubt. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that one. One for the future, of course, is um, is, is Luca Toffolo um, with his... <laughs> With his unbelievable skills that are being picked up without credit, I might say on uh, on Soccer AM um, and on their Twitter page. Um, I, have you seen the? Uh, the... I <laughs> well, I'm I'm mainly sort of seeing people retweet it into my timeline, um, and it's it's one of those where they're like, "Oh, this kid's going to be worth millions." It's like, yeah, but he's he's Harry Toffolo's son. You should probably you know tag him in it because you know it's his video and it's his son. It's probably a little bit creepy when you start to dig into it a little bit. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I had to laugh the other day when I saw that initially because uh, we had, I think, Clive and uh, Liam were, were giving it a bit on uh, on Twitter when Toff posted the, the first video and Clive was saying, oh, we need to get him signed up on a 20-year contract. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's always fun to see. And this is the kind of thing that, you know, without dipping back into it like this is the kind of thing that now social media is also allowing where we can see kind of that insider it, it brings people it brings the fans a bit closer to the players and stuff like that and i think it's it's just brilliant fun to to watch this all happen like whenever there's a new tweet from toff with a video in it, it's like what's his son done now and uh, i think there's three so far there's the one where he punted it through the uh the toy kitchen the one where he kicked it down the corridor and there's one where he kicked it down the stairs into the box yesterday, which is, uh, yeah, kids got skills. Twitter's come on a long way since Danny Rowe was posting his homophobic comments while he was a Lincoln player, isn't it? <laughs> anyway. I don't know if you remember that. I think I think it's managed. I think, you know, I mean, I, Toff, I quite a lot of Toff does. I think a lot of players manage their, their, their Twitter and their Instagram and it's another way of... Um, interacting with fans and it's you know it's it's kind of the modern day equivalent of going into the pub on the high street and drinking with glenn cockrell or whatever but um yeah social media has its has its positives and its negatives and uh absolutely yeah if it wasn't for social media i'd still be selling bricks and blocks so yeah i'm not going to complain too much there we go so anyway that's probably going to do us um is there anything that you want to plug this week i'm on the radio all right on um, 
Rob Makepeace's show tomorrow night. So you never know. I might be I might be the first to get that uh, transfer to the BBC Radio Lincolnshire podcast that you were angling for last week when you were to smoke up Rob's arse. What is this bullshit? Why is it you're being asked? <laughs> and they asked me if I could go on on Friday, actually, and I, I couldn't because I was going to a, a pop-up restaurant thing in Tealby. Um, but I said, no, look, I, I enjoy going on. Um, you know, I, I, I like being on the radio. It's uh, it's always a, a good crack. Um, I like Rob's show as well. Uh, so it'd be good, yeah. I don't think I've got anything else to plug other than that. I'm not selling anything at the moment. Please do get your Fair enough. fanzine stuff in i've had one article so far the way things are going we won't make christmas release it'll be in the new year so i really do need people if you're gonna write anything to get those pens out or computers turned on or however you choose to do it i will need to do that i'd completely forgotten if i'm brutally honest with you but uh i quite a bit going on anyway um yeah so um not not much for me really uh next gen base gaming stuff Played a lot of Hitman this week. Hitman's really good. Killed a man with a fish. Um, <laughs> so that's probably it's probably going to do us for for this week's podcast. Um, as ever, leave us a review wherever you're listening to us. Um, share us about, and uh, we will see you next week. the 90th minute and all your mates around watching the imps on iFollow you've got your McNugget share boxes on the go your mates already got booked for double dipping but then you steal the last nugget snatching all three points perfect order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app you in at participating restaurants 18 plus serving times delivery fee and terms apply see mcdonalds.com planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.